It's my pleasure to be with you today on the Clark Howard Show. Coming up in 20 minutes, we're going to talk about crowdfunding sites and how people are getting burned. And that's going to be today's Clark Rageous moment. In a half hour from now, we're going to talk about the price war that has started today at the grocery aisle and how you can benefit from that. But we're going to hop right in and talk right away about the suffering going on in the nation's fourth largest metro area. Been to Houston twice this year and to experience what people are experiencing right now so different than two visits that I've had this year that have been nothing but joy. My heart just aches for the suffering going on and once the fear subsides in a few days as people just fight for life, for food, for water, for shelter, be reunited with family, and then a very, very messy rebuild is going to take place. Think about, it's hard to picture two feet of water on average, two feet of rainfall in one metro area, that's just the average, in a couple of days. And it boggles the mind to think about an area with roughly 7 million people and how many of those 7 million have had their lives altered, have had their lives disrupted. But the most amazing thing is that to this moment, there are only a couple of known fatalities. That number may rise, but it is virtually miraculous that that may be that there may be a very low number of people who lose their lives in the storm with additional rainfall in some areas bringing twice as much rain as has fallen to this point in areas that are already swollen. And, you know, I can tell you, having been in Louisiana during the immediate aftermath of Katrina in my duty with my state guard, I was deployed and flying over as we were flying in to New Orleans and seeing the massive amount of destruction, you couldn't tell watching television how massive the destruction is. And the same thing was the same thing going on in Texas right now. The people there need, obviously, our thoughts and prayers. They also will need our financial support. And that's because... Most of the losses, most of the losses in Texas are not insured. Only a a small percent will be insured. A lot of people in the Houston metro area are people of not great means. And so recovery is going to depend a lot on the kindness of strangers and a lot of family help is going to be part of this. If you start hearing appeals to donate, I want you to be very, very careful 
with donations is out of the goodness of your heart, you want to extend help at whatever amount you can afford. Know that without fail, the phony baloney fake charities will materialize. And I don't want any money to go to fake places. At first, the safe defaults to give money to are the Salvation Army and the American Red Cross. But even if someone calls you saying they're with the Red Cross or the Salvation Army, do not give money over the phone to somebody calling you. Only give money that you donate typically online at the real website of the Salvation Army or the Red Cross. And at Clark.com, we have, if it's not up yet, we will have in a few minutes direct links for you to be able to donate for that. There's also been a request from the city of Houston that you consider giving to the United Way in Houston, where there are a lot of smaller local organizations that will be called upon to deliver recovery services once the rain subsides. And it looks like somewhere around 10% of the metro area of Houston, 10% of the people in the metro area of Houston are going to need major, major assistance because their homes have been destroyed, their cars have been destroyed, and they may have no money at all to live on. And I just encourage you to be very cautious in this area because I'm telling you, without fail, the phonies will come alive. Now, I want to talk about insurance for just a second. And the thing I mentioned that a very small percent of people in Texas are covered for this. And it's the same story again and again when there are storms where people's homes are damaged by flooding. As a general rule, people do not buy flood insurance unless they have a mortgage and their lender requires it of them. But there are many of us who live in areas that are low-lying that if an area gets hit by a big storm, that our home may be subject to flood. Our regular homeowner's insurance will not help. It just won't. Insurers long ago sloughed this off onto the federal taxpayers, and we have the federally subsidized flood insurance program. And if you see the destruction in Houston, hear what the people there are facing rebuilding with no insurance, and you live in a low-lying area elsewhere in the country, and you've never done flood insurance or you let it lapse and never renewed it, know that it is subsidized. If you're in an area of low risk, your premiums are extremely low. We live adjacent to two creeks, and it's a very, very low-risk area, not designated as a federal floodplain. But I have federal flood insurance on the home because the risk is there in a 
catastrophic storm like a hundred year flood or something like that that we could take in water and the insurance premium is is it 390 a year it's it's not a horrific amount for quarter million dollars coverage so i encourage you to look at floodsmart.gov and know that your homeowner's insurance isn't worth a nickel if your house is hit by flooding. Your car, on the other hand, is covered in the event that it is a total loss because the comprehensive part of your auto insurance policy. And many businesses will be okay because they have business interruption insurance. But many others don't have this coverage. It's one of the basic things you should have at your business because you never know what circumstance it is that will make your business unable to operate. And business interruption insurance is a basic thing that if you aren't sure you have it, you don't know or you know you don't, please consider buying this stuff to protect what you have worked so hard to build up with your own business. Now, this is, by comparison of what people are going through, so trite to discuss, but I just want to give you a, a brief update on what's happening with gasoline because the Texas area that's affected by the flooding accounts for somewhere close to like one-fifth of the refining capacity in the United States turning oil into gasoline. So those refineries are shut down. It won't be clear till at earliest, the end of this week, how soon a lot of the refineries will be able to come back online. So we may have spot shortages of gasoline in certain spots in the United States unclear where at wholesale i'm checking right now the price of a gallon of gasoline is up six cents a gallon so not a major price move and if later in the week it looks like refineries will be able to come back online in short order then that whatever bump we see in the price of a gallon of gasoline will fade pretty quickly on the other hand if it looks like refineries will be down for months, then there will be some supply constraint and the market sorts that out with higher prices for a gallon of gasoline. And that's just the way the market gets itself back together. Now, speaking of which, the price of a barrel of oil has gone down by the same percent that the price of a gallon of gasoline has gone up. The reason is we have a surplus of oil right now coming out of the ground in the United States. So that oil can't go to refineries at the normal pace it normally would. So once the refinery issues are solved, you will see a reversal in the price of gasoline. In the fall, gas prices drop anyway because supply is more abundant as people drive less. And we switch from summertime blends of fuel to cheaper to refine gallons of gasoline. So this will be temporary. The question is how long temporary is. 
how much the bump will be. What's very important right now, if you're seeing price swings in your area, is download the app for Gas Buddy and Gas Price Watch because this is one of those times where there will be enormous swings in prices when you go to fill up from one station to another, depending on what supply they have and how they handle the disruptions in the market. So using the apps to find the best price for you where you live is going to be the most important to protect your wallet. But again, I feel so bad for the suffering of people that slow motion unfolding on our TV screens, and I wish everyone there as quick a recovery as possible. It's time for today's Clark Rageous Moment, and it involves crowdfunding. When there's an idea that is being pitched that you're all excited about, a lot of times you get excited too and don't realize the risk of getting involved. Spams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. The real problem here is really with your and my expectations, not with the people typically pitching something. I had a number of calls two years ago from people that were interested in getting involved in a crowdfund for these special earbuds for wireless listening to music. And people put up not an enormous amount of money, $150 to be involved in it. There was another I had questions about that was this helmet that was this ultra fancy helmet for motorcyclists that was a $1,500 helmet. I mean, that's some serious money. Both failed to make it to market. And people lost their money and now they're all upset. And the thing is, when you get involved at Kickstarter or any other crowdfund for a new product, know that the risk is extremely high, that you are, at that point, truly an entrepreneur. Your upside is if the product works and takes off, you get it usually at half the market price. In the case of the wireless earbuds, they were 150 for people who invested in the crowdfund, 300 was to be the retail price in the marketplace. So your upside is that you get to have something early that's new and innovative and you get it at a special price. It's not like being a true investor where you end up potentially making huge money if a product ends up being a hit but lose your money if it doesn't. Your upside is more limited. Please Look at any of these things with a grain of salt and never put into them money that you can't afford to walk away from. If something really does become a hit later and you're just excited to have one, so what if you paid more than people who backed it initially when it was just a prototype or just an idea? But know this, only back something, even if you really love the idea, if you can willingly part with the money you put into that idea. 
Joel, how about we do an Ask Clark here? Yeah, sounds good. Clark, Margaret wrote in. She says, I'm considering purchasing a refurbished TV. What are the pros and cons of buying refurbished? Well, the pro is that you're going to get, obviously, a lower price buying a refurb TV. And many times it's refurb only because somebody bought it, it came back out of box, and the retailer puts it through a refurb process. Other times it'll be something that's really wrong with it. So the problem is you don't know if it's something that had a serious problem or a minor one. And if the third party used to do the refurb is up to the job. So the savings, the discount from the original needs to be 20% or more to make it worth the risk for you to buy a refurb TV or other electronics versus a brand new one. Remember that 20% trigger. Glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to find the best deals day in and day out. And one thing we're going to talk about right now are the deals that are available starting today at a place that Deal and its name have never met. That is formerly known as Whole Paycheck, now known as Whole Foods. And Whole Foods has, under the new ownership of Amazon.com, has turned over a giant new leaf and on a number of high-volume items is doing big price cuts to, for the first time in the history of Whole Foods, make it price competitive. Michael from Clark.com is here with me right now, and you can give us an eyewitness report from having gone to Whole Paycheck. And what did you find? Is it still its former identity, or is it this new reinvented company called Whole Foods? Uh, I'd say it's uh, somewhere in the middle there. When you walk in, the first thing you're going to notice is these big orange signs and they're going to highlight the prices from last week versus the prices for today. And I'd say mainly the uh, lower prices were concentrated in the fresh food section, a little bit of meat, a little bit of uh, seafood. But it's it's just a couple dozen items. The majority of the items are still the same price as they were last week. But the prices, there's definitely a difference, and it's a pretty good difference with some of the organic products that Whole Foods is known for. There's some examples of was and is you want to share from your experience? Sure, let me run through a couple. Well, let me ask you, uh, what do you think like uh, organic bananas, what do you think would be a good price per pound? Well, first of all, you took away my appetite by saying organic, because I don't know why you need organic on a banana. But when I go to Trader Joe's, they're 19 cents a banana for a regular, 29 cents a banana for organic. Whole Foods still follows the old way of doing things in the business of pricing per pound, which who knows how many items that means you get. But what was the price cut? All right. So it went from 89 cents a pound to 69 cents a pound for organic. And for non-organic bananas, 49 cents a pound. So not bad. Uh, Avocados, a dollar less each, down to $2 each. Uh, Apples, a dollar 99 a pound, organic. 
Uh, and those were the big things in Oh, Baby Kale, three forty nine for one of those little packages of it. And so it is what what I expected, which is this is not all through the store. Prices have come down to a point where Whole Foods would be competitive with others. But on things that are attention getters, when you walk in the door, they're now price competitive. Absolutely. A few things in every aisle. Let me go through a couple others. Eggs down from uh, $3.29 to $2.99. Shredded cheese, uh, not too much of a cut here, $7.99 to $6.99. And, uh, wait, wait, wait. Shredded cheese, it's organic. $7? So it's got to be like, like if you went to Costco to pay that much for shredded cheese, it would be something that a small child couldn't carry. Is this how big is this? Is just a regular old package? You know, it does. I'm trying to see how much it looks like. Oh, does it say? That's it's really small print on here. Maybe 12 ounces, but it is organic. These are and these prices are high because this is what that's their bread and butter. It's all organic products. So does it change something for you? Are you uh, you're very cost conscious? I mean, you were you were one of the most thrifty people I've ever known. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm. I would describe myself as a, an occasional Whole Foods shopper. For this comparison, I walked past Trader Joe's to get to the Whole Foods, and that's probably something I I normally wouldn't do. Uh, it it really doesn't. I'll still check the circulars if there's something good. I might stop in, but uh, I think we're gonna have to see where they go with this. You know, once the once the shopping, the Amazon Prime integrates uh, for special savings for Prime members, it might be a little more attractive to to me. And once they expand the savings throughout the store, I think I'd, I'd take a closer look at it then. Well, all I can tell you is that Amazon never cares when it's trying to get market share, if it makes any money, at least as it's trying to b- become dominant or a big factor in an industry. And so it's going to be... A shopper's dream over the next year as the traditional players in the supermarket industry have to respond. And that's why the stocks of traditional players are getting hammered. But it is going to be a bonanza for all of us shopping for groceries. But the bigger story in the supermarket aisle continues to be Aldi and now just emerging in the United States, Lidl, because they are so much cheaper than everybody else. We're talking about Whole Foods becoming less outrageously priced, where there are others that are already providing very low prices. Thank you for doing your survey. Thanks, Clark. Alex is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alex. Hi. How are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Alex. You're having a problem with your auto insurance. What's happening? Yes, sir. So this past uh, June... um, my wife's car was in the shop, and uh, so we had a rental car, and um, I, I was in, in the parking lot. I looked in my rearview mirrors. I looked over my shoulder, but uh, there just happened to be a pole that just right in my blind spot. Yeah. And that was a, yeah, and, and, and I was trying to get out of the way for somebody to get into my parking spot, so um, I did gas it a little more than, uh, than I probably should have and crunch and uh you know had a 500 dollars deductible paid that they did send the bill which was i think 2400 dollars was what the total amount was um, that is one expensive pole in a parking lot isn't it yes 
Yes. Uh, well, the, it 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 took out the took out you know a lot of the plastic of uh, the bumper and in, in the rear the right rear um, taillight, but it also did get into. But this is probably where it got expensive. It got into the metal part of the you know the the back panel. That's probably where it got expensive right there. How fast do you think you were going? Like four or five miles oh. an hour when you hit it? Yes. Yeah. Very. Not you know. The, 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 when I took it back to the rental place and I signed all this stuff with them, uh, they looked at it and they were like, oh, wow, that's that's really not bad compared to a lot of the others. So I was thinking, well, hopefully this won't make the insurance go up too much. And then um, I'm already paying 180 for two cars, uh, but it my my term is, is renewing in September, and it went up $110. So about so from 180 to 290 per month. <laughs> So yeah. you're going to pay over one year right. about half of what the, no, two-thirds, because you had a $500 deductible. You're going to pay an additional premium two-thirds of what the repair cost was. Yeah, basically. Wow. And I want to add salt to the wounds, which you don't want. <laughs> Do you know that the, your insurer has now put you in an industry database that if you go shop with other insurers, it's going to show that you had this claim, and other insurers are going to be afraid to insure you or charge a lot more to have you. All right, yeah. That was the basic worry was uh, I, I didn't uh, – I kind of wanted to ask before I get in knee-deep into uh, quoting here and quoting there. It's worth uh, it to spend the time. It's it worth it for you to spend the time because different insurers will treat this differently one from another. Yeah. So the big, the, the big notice I changed, the, the big change that I noticed uh, from this past term to the future term is I lost um, three years safe driving. Um, and then I think there's one other thing, too, that, that, you know, on the discounts they list that you have. So they clobbered um, you double all at once. Basically, yeah. All right. Um, can I ask a question, Alex? Do you have a, a car loan on either or both of your cars? Uh, the the car that is uh, my wife's car, uh, we do. Uh, my car is paid off completely, um, but I, I have a much older car, and I don't even have all the all the extra comprehensive because you know it's one of those old. Cars. Okay, that was exactly where I was going with this. Yeah. So on. Your wife's car, you may find that it'll be worth it to raise that deductible from 500 Okay. And this is something that I love for you to always look at, is having as high a deductible as you could stand. Since she has a loan, her lender will have a limit on how much you can raise the deductible. But if you have a higher deductible, you're not going to make that claim, and you're not going to get hit. With the higher premiums, because they haven't done you any favor over over three years, they're going to collect far more from you than what the claim cost them. The nineteen hundred it cost them, they're going to collect uh, double that over right. three years. So right. that's why I don't like for you unless you have to, unless you just can't come up with the money, making a small claim. Okay, but yeah. shop it. Shop it and see what you can do with somebody else. And those polls, I've hit one before, they are always bad news. 
Johnny joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Johnny. Hi there. Johnny, you are trying to encourage your brother to do something that he just won't do? Tell me. Yeah, so he's had credit cards in the past, and him and his wife uh, got into some trouble, ran them up a little bit too much, and um, being smart, he at least, you know, I don't think he canceled the accounts, but he, he shredded up the cards so that there was no temptation there. We got to talk, and now, you know, a few years down the road now, we got to talking, and he still doesn't have any credit card whatsoever. And I kind of told him, you know, obviously listening to you and uh, being pretty disciplined myself, that you need credit for a lot of things, just like you were talking with the previous uh, caller about the, the car insurance and all that. Um, I mean, you need good credit and established credit for a lot of things in life. And he refuses to use a card. And I, I kind of quoted you, um, and I said, you know, you can just, pay for gas once a month with one credit card, you pay it off, and then, you know, just to keep that revolving... He doesn't going. even have to do it once a month. If he did it twice a year, okay, it would get the job done. Okay. And you were, you were doing a good job as a brother because I understand his fear. You know, he was burned by it. He, yep. he ended up in trouble with them. And so it's completely logical that he would say, I need to resist that temptation. I can't have him. I get into trouble when I have him. But if he, on his birthday and at Christmas, and I hope they're not a week apart or something, if he (laughs) would use a card those two times a year, just once each time, that will keep the card active in his mix and will help with boosting his credit score. And having, having a card is important because it does help with keeping that credit score alive and and keeping it at a good number. Is, is Even after telling him that, if he still refuses, is there anything he can do without a credit card to help his credit? Well, other forms of credit, if he ever does a car loan, mm-hmm. a mortgage, something like that, that would help. But you also, if you wanted to do something out of brotherly love, you could make him an authorized user on one of your cards and not give him the card. Oh, okay. And that may help him. Depends on the issuer if that would help with his credit or not. Mm-hmm. But that would be a like no-risk way unless you fell behind on one of your cards. But okay. as long as you're handling credit fine, you could help him and he could avoid the temptation. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I'll look into that. All right, and, and it's so great that you're trying to help him out. But I understand the whole issue. If he got burned by him, he doesn't want to get himself in trouble again. And you got to really feel good about him learning from what happened before. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nancy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Nancy, you have a Tesla question for me. Is that right? I do. But first, I have to thank you for saving my husband and me so much money over the years. It's a real privilege to talk to you. Well, thank you. And I'm glad that you saved enough money that you can think about getting a Tesla. (laughs) And the husband is here for a few moments more and I have to leave for an appointment. All right. Well, how can I be of help to both of you? Well, you know how you always say happy husband, happy life. Actually, I say happy wife, happy life. Now, I know you do, but I guess my variation is happy husband, happy life. And my husband wants a Tesla so bad. And I signed up on the evening that it was introduced for the $1,000 down. For, for the, the Model uh, 3? The Tesla 3, yeah, the Model 3. Yeah. Okay. So since then, he test drove a Model 2, and I did too, and it is... A, uh, she's saying a Model S. Model oh, S. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell this is real important to me. (laughs) (laughs) I hear Nancy. (laughs) Anyway, so our question really is, after we um, drove a Model S, is should we maybe buy a used one of those instead of a brand new 3, which I think... I would say if you meet the following criteria that the Model S used makes more sense than waiting... For a new Model 3. It's first year of the Model 3. Um, Tesla, like most automakers, has had real teething problems with new model year introductions. They had it with the S. They had it especially with the X. No reason to think they're not going to have growing pains with the 3 when it first comes out. But you buy an older S, you know the car has, has worked well. It's going to be fancier and more roomy than the 3. And right now you can buy used ones as cheap from Tesla, as cheap as like $45,000, which I know doesn't I sound cheap to people for a car. So I, I would think that you would be better served if you bought the used S than a new Model 3. But the, I would look at trying to keep the mileage on a used one below 25,000 miles. Okay. And... Try to keep the price in the 50s or less. And then it would be... the year of the car doesn't matter as much? Year of the car doesn't matter because what you're concerned about with the Tesla is the battery and the battery life. And so if it doesn't have a lot of miles on it, then you've got the overwhelming amount of the battery life remaining. Okay. That sounds good. So I would say... Get that used S instead of waiting for the new Model 3 because they're not equivalent. The S is much more of a car than the 3. Now, some people don't like the S because they think it's too big, but it's a phenomenal automobile, and I would think that that would be one that you should really consider. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now 
you'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to Clark.com newsletters.